You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Outdoor Edge in their complete lineup of knives and game processing kits. These guys right now are doing an absolutely huge giveaway where you could win an elk hunt and not just any elk hunt. We're talking about a seven or eight mile horseback ride into the backcountry. We're talking a one-on-one guided hunt. You're going to be sleeping in a wall tent and you're going to be doing that for five days with the founder and CEO of Outdoor Edge, David Block. Now, if you've never been on an elk hunt before, I'm telling you right now, go sign up for this because if you ever hear a elk bugle, whether it's at 400 yards or it's at 40 yards, it is a life-changing experience. So here's how you enter. Go to OutdoorEdge.com. There's going to be a big banner for it somewhere on their homepage. All you have to do is click on that. Go fill out some information. I think your name, your email address, maybe some other stuff. And that's all you have to do. That's how you are entered. They're going to be picking a winner oh, a ways from now. So you have plenty of time to enter. Go visit OutdoorEdge.com. Sign up today. And if you decide to purchase any products from the website, Enter the discount code NATION30. That's the word NATION with the number 30 after that. No spaces. NATION30. And you will receive 30% off your purchase. Welcome to the Land and Legacy Podcast. We're your hosts, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. This is your number one resource for all things land. If you're interested in conservation, habitat management, hunting strategy, and rural real estate, this is the podcast for you. All right, welcome back, guys. Oh, man, right in the middle. It's, uh, it's the end of October, getting towards the end of October. Matt and I are once again in the outdoor studio, uh, hence my, uh, I guess I should just say, long story short, or if you want to know what the outdoor studio looks like, it's in my backyard next to the fence uh, where all the leaves <laughs> get blown up in a in a whirlpool of, of wind. So here we are. Protected from the wind today trying to be a little bit as much it, as we can t- today definitely feels like one of those uh those days we kind of are like all right if fall is here this it's is chilly this matt is and i have fall. i've got flannel on he's got uh sweatshirt sweatshirt vest. yep it's and, what 58 maybe it's a high yeah. windy damp and, and so you know um let's talk deer uh, a lot of the year we talk habitat we're talking deer today. Not only deer, but successful deer successful hunts. Successful deer hunts. And uh, we got our good friend. I don't even know what to say. Team member, but not really because we don't. We, we are getting a team of, of guys, a lot of clients that are going to be filming with us. But Seth has been with us from almost the very get-go. And we got Seth back on the line. Seth, thanks for go- coming on. Thanks for having us. You've been on the podcast now probably half a dozen times, if not more. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'd think so, if not, probably if not more. Probably next to my brother, the most reoccurring guest we have. Yep. So, <laughs> there you go, Seth. Feel honored. You Always made, a pleasure. You made it. <laughs> Always we, a pleasure. We do that so we know we can guarantee two or three listeners every week with your uh, <laughs> with your wife and yep. – and, uh, and, <laughs> And so we just try to add our yeah. female audience out there. So 
<laughs> anyway, man. Uh, so uh yeah. Uh thanks for coming on. Now let's let's uh let's jump right in. Uh, we've been following along YouTube channel. Guys, listeners, if you haven't started over on our YouTube channel, please go over there, check it out, subscribe to our channel. We are dropping more and more videos each week. And there's uh, already 90-plus videos on the YouTube channel. Plus, I mean, it's it's weekly, if not bi-weekly right now, with the amount of videos that are done, ready to post. Yeah, so land and legacy, search it. That's the and sign. I'm not sure if you could find it with typing out and. I'm sure you could. You can. Um, so check it out on YouTube. We're not posting them on our Facebook handle much anymore. It's just all on YouTube, so go and subscribe, please, to help support us. That is the direction we are headed more and more. With uh, You're not going to get more podcasts out of us anytime soon. You already get two a week, so tough up <laughs> if you want yes. more of that. Here's your videos. You get videos. <clears throat> um, more, fun to, more fun to do. Um, so we just released Trace. Mm-hmm. Trace is Deer Kill. Um, for you guys, so you can go and watch that one. We have not covered that on the podcast, but we have uh, released that one. Well, Seth Seth covered the story of Hefty, but haven't okay. we haven't we haven't discussed? Let's That's say right. the the release of the video. That's but, right. But Seth Seth and I went into long detail about the story of Hefty, and you can see all that footage. Seth um, laid down some some really good footage, and and most times, like with a mature buck, it's kind of quick hunt, not this long. Um, drawn out deal, but that certainly was a story with this hunt. So lots of footage, and Trace walloped this deer. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was a lot. Never had that happen. May not ever have that happen. That was like ten minutes of. We got to get that boy off. some lighted knocks, though. Yeah, we're we're gonna do that. That's first that's world problems, right? Yes. When we're griping about, oh, I shot him, killed him, but he didn't use a lighted knock. <laughs> yeah yeah you know oh. it, it, it's so much easier to tell where you do where the impact is with that light and not yeah, especially yeah. on video yeah for sure yeah. you can you can you can see so much better oh for sure light and knocks are kind of one of those things you don't realize how awesome they are until you don't have it well i mean even if you're re- reviewing footage or watching footage on youtube this and that they're they're awesome but even just for the hunter themselves of, hey, okay, oh, yeah. I can see no them. Doubt. Okay, was it a pass-through? Are they carrying that light knock? And then the light knock can help light up a blood trail if you're off of it, if that air comes out later on, um, or if it stays in them. Heck, then you see it <laughs> down the down the field yeah. or in the woods, whatever, sticking straight up. There, you know, it, There's a lot of benefits to just having that extra light knock in there. Um, right. Yeah, very few times are you going to – you're gonna lose your arrow. We're just recovering uh, your dagger. You go back arrow. that night, obviously, if you've got the lighted knot. Did you get a full pass through? Um. Oh yeah. Really? Yes, I mean, it passed through and into the ground. What kind of broadhead is he shooting? A uh, sick broadhead. A two, which we experimented with broadheads with him, and anyways, we finally uh, arrived at the sick, the uh, fixed blade just a it's a two blade with bleeder blades they would call it a four blade but uh the other bleeder blades i I don't know if you could consider those blades or not but basically a two blade with bleeders how much is he pulling what's his draw weight 
He is pulling 50 pounds now. He was 40. That's what Matt's pulling. (laughs) (laughs) With the uh, 26-inch draw. He was 47 last year, 46. Gotcha. uh, And what I've done with him when we're out shooting, um, just for all those guys that are shooting with their sons, if you will, if you guys shoot two or three times a week with your sons, if you'll just take it and – just crank it a half a turn once a week, you'll be surprised. They'll start pulling 50, and they'll never know it. You'll never know it. Gotcha. So that's that's kind of what we've done. And uh, before you know it, it's, they're pulling higher poundages. Gotcha. Well, so Hefty's Hunt is on the YouTube channel, and soon this podcast will release uh, around the 20th. It will yeah. release on the 20th. Yep. The 20th of October and I'm hoping that the YouTube video hits around the 20th. I, I I would hope that night, but it may be a day or two before it hits the YouTube channel. So um, this whole podcast will kind of go with that video if you want to watch this podcast transfer into video format from MP3 to MP4. Whoa. So, yeah, let's let's talk about the buck. What was the, uh, What's the story on the buck? Okay, so Geronimo, um, I think the story with him, uh, and the whole story overall, it's kind of one of those bittersweet stories um, because that's how it always is when you uh, fill your bow tag early, if you will. As, as If you're listening in Missouri, our season starts September 15th and ends January 15th, so... I killed what was it, September 27th, 28th, something like that. So I've got a long time till I have another buck tag come in play. Not only that, I'm going to miss um, some fine bow hunting in the rut. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm tickled to uh, to be able to wrap my tag around Geronimo. But with that being said, it's almost bittersweet. But I think the story with Geronimo is um, is targeting targeting him early on and learning about him relentlessly through the summer. Um, and it was just one of those gears that I got to stay with. Um, and I put the pieces together, which interestingly enough, um, and another probably take home is this deer crossed before, before I got to take the shot on him, he crossed a major highway. Um, and I think a lot of people in terms, um, they try to put lines out there, whether it be a river or a highway or whatever that may be. And they're like, well, that, you know, their mind just stops at the deer crossing the highway or the deer crossing the river. And that's exactly what I figured out in the summer that the, that the silly thing was doing. In fact, I believe that deer was, uh, actually betting where and watching traffic go by um, this major highway. I mean, I think he was betting within distance of of the highway. Um, so the story with Geronimo started way back um, in early velvet season. And I noticed big bases on a deer and one just, just large broad or a brow tine coming um off the right side and I was like man that looks like a really nice deer and I couldn't tell exactly who the deer was um yet there was no uh ear feature or double throat patch or 
I just wasn't sure who the deer was. And I was like, man, I think that's going to be a mature deer. And as time went on, um, he just kind of developed into a really nice deer. And not only that, um, he just started, I just started putting the pieces of the puzzle together. He did disappear um, like they do during uh, velvet shedding time. I mean, he went, he went AWOL. Um, and I wasn't sure where he went. I wasn't sure um, if it was going to be one of those deer that I wasn't going to see again. Um, so it was really for him. Uh, we talk about hunting deer. And I, I think a lot of people think about that hunting time is during season. But that's not necessarily the case. The hunting for Geronimo was the off-season period. I was just setting and waiting on that deer, I had already done all the hunting all those months prior, um, putting pieces together on him. So I think and it you was and preparation. Matt, you know, when you say that, you and Matt sat on the bottom field a couple of nights or one night, or you guys sat, yeah, at least we, went and glassed, sitting in the truck or sitting on, on the fields trying to glass and spot this deer, right? Yeah, we did. Um we made a few stabs at Geronimo, um, and we we did set, and we very well made. Um, I don't know, Matt. We never did really look at that footage on. We had those deer that crossed uh, the creek. That's true. That very well. One, oh, one of those could have been Geronimo. Yeah. No, that that that's nowhere from a distance wise of movement and travel summer to actually where you killed him, where we started hunting very early season at um it easily could have been spotted there that night yeah yeah we may have the footage of him we saw several nice deer when we were scouting velvet um and that was the deal with geronimo um the whole thing with him which was the toughest thing to figure out was whether he was bedding uh basically back to the north we've got a large pine plantation and a clear cut uh, or back to the south, which is again is across the uh, across the highway. That was the main thing trying to put the pieces together. And what was throwing me at? I knew he was feeding in this bottom food plot, um, and early in the season, a lot of my picks down there would be daylight. Um, and I'm like, man, he is right here somewhere. Where in the world is he? Which direction is he coming from? Um, and then finally. Uh, we started pegging him on the camera a couple of times back to the north or south rather, um, which as you guys well know is a, a track we call the 360, which the highway separates the two tracks. Right. Um, so, so we started putting pieces of the puzzle together, um, and now it was make, make a game plan to kill him. And I think in, in recent uh, times we've always talked about being conservative and hunting around the edges and things like that and and primarily that's what we were doing um you know i was tiptoeing around basically where we thought the deer was going to bed um and actually trying to intercept him the first couple of times um before he ever made it to this big bottom field um and you know doing what whitetail hunters do they say hey, he's betting He's betting here at A, and he's headed to C. Where can I intercept him at B? Seems like to be a really good ingredient for success, um, but we actually 
harvested in that seed um, this particular time, which is really amazing. Um, not only is it amazing that he crossed the major highway, um, what's even more amazing um, is that all the traffic that was coming by as he was making his entry in. And not only him, um, my gosh, I saw three or four other mature bucks. One that is is seven years old plus. Oof. I mean, wow. I mean, one-eyed Jack. We've known him forever. You get the you get the trail camera pictures of one-eyed Jack. He's you know you got that low glow in one eye. He's always had a a forked horn on the other side and just a big four-point side on the other side. Old specimen. And, I mean, he was coming down there, too. Um, you know, and he was actually coming back from the north as well. Um, and then we had Dub Creek 10. He came through in the footage, which is a really um, – he's an old specimen, too. Actually downhill by probably um, 7 to 10 inches um, than what he was last year. And he, he's another old specimen. So huh. that's what's interesting. Highway, deer cross the highway. Dove Creek can cross the highway, too. Um, you know, so all these things we're combating with. And, uh, you know, we just made it come together. And, and uh, all that preseason scouting, A number one, um, is what killed that. Or let us harvest that deer. You, you know, got to put in the time, and that's what it's about. You know the the preseason scouting. You know you're sending trail cameras back and forth, and you know, like I said, you're strategizing or just bouncing ideas off of us. So like, okay, he's here, he's there. What do you think? Blah blah blah. But I think one of the one of the kind of key ingredients that um, helped to make this hunt possible is your ability or to basically d- decide that it's worth the juice is worth the squeeze to go in and scout let's say that area c that you mentioned earlier right because mm-hmm. this fall there's a lot of black oak acorns and they started dropping oh yeah pretty early and and that's really what sealed the deal and you had a food plot you were close to hunting um but a lot of deer were crossing that highway on this main drain that was loaded with black oaks and dropping consistently. But despite being, let's say, in season, you went in and scouted an area because you knew it was, let's say, within like, the, the epicenter. You know, what's the other resources that are pulling deer here to make this happen? Um, when I think a lot of people are like, okay, it's season. I can't move anywhere on this farm, but between where I park and where my tree stand is. But truthfully, if if you have a season that opens up, let's say, September time frame and moves through January, the food sources change so drastically. And I think as a hunter, we have to weigh in like that the value of, let's say, finding that resource. We can know typically where those are at. And if we're relying solely on food plots, well, we know exactly where they're at. We planted them. But but here, we've got so many oak trees that produce some years and some they don't. Um, so a lot of scouting went in ahead of time to identify this deer and the range. But, like, to put the actual X on the map of, like, this is where it's going to happen took that additional scouting 
to make it pull together. Oh, yeah, definitely. And that is by far, I mean, that was the key ingredient that brought uh, Geronimo into bow range was red oak acorns. Um, we're slack on the white oak and we're heavy on the red. And that, like you mentioned, that drain, um, I wasn't sure they were falling, but the first night, I mean, that was my, that was my second night in that set. And that drain, I mean, they were coming down, they were feeding. Um, and not only that, I'll tell you what, uh, probably led me to that more than anything, um, was for whatever reason, the turkey flocks. I would notice them coming in and out of there on the camera, and I'm like, what in the world are they? They're never over there. Why, you know, why are they over there? And anyways, they were right with the deer, obviously. And a lot of guys, um, I, I've got one great friend, big white tail killer. I mean, he's killed more deer than EHD. Uh, he's just a, he's a oh, killing wow. machine. <laughs> That's a new one. <laughs> and... I'm telling you, he's told me he hunts bigwoods. He hunts where they're hard. Um, he hunts a lot of government tracks. Um, well, he's in Douglas County. You guys know all about that. And yep. there's parts of Douglas County that are just loaded with big, heavy timber. And he's told me a lot of times you can follow those turkeys. Uh, you follow those turkeys, and they will show you a lot of times where the native food is. And those turkeys or the deer are smart. A lot of times they'll they'll scratch the leaves out of the way and the deer will come back in behind and pick the acorns up or, or whatever. So the turkeys kind of led me to, um, I'm like, why are they using that drain over there? What are they doing over there so much? And you drive down the road and I'd look out in the creek. Well, we're really dry right now. And there'd be flocks of turkeys out there. Uh, and mm. I'm like, what in the world? Well, I mean, it was just, that was just a little Island of acorns for whatever reason we're in a drought i don't know if it was just a little sweet spot or or what but it definitely had acorn production so that is what was making him cruise through um because our food plot down there wasn't necessarily fabulous because of the drought um there was there was value in it but i think it was a combination there of the native acorn production as well as uh, what food plot we did have that was was growing um, in the dry time that we're at, but yeah, I mean there was a lot of just a lot of being out there living with with the deer um, and actually being able to to put the pieces together. That is definitely um, what we attributed that deer to. And I know a lot of guys listening; they don't get a lot of time to hunt. Yeah. Um, a lot of them have, you know, they're a slave to their job and they've got families, they've got kids, so they get a select time to hunt. Most everyone tries to take the rut. Um, and if I were to say, and I'm putting myself in that situation, I'm my own business owner, so I do have a little bit more leeway, but I'm sitting there thinking if I didn't, what would I do? And I think that would be, I would spend more time if I have a good early season opener where you can pattern a deer. I think I would spend a lot more time trying to figure out if I could make my early season successful. And if you're getting on a pattern where you're putting pieces together 
and you have the ability to take that vacation early or something like that, it may be the time to do it because I'll tell you what, I have had some awesome last week. I've killed a lot of nice deer that last week of September. Um, you can really get a pattern on them. Um, and sometimes, as you well know, what happens in the rut, some farms, the deer are not a traditional rut farm. People lose deer. And you know what? They're over on the neighbors, the deer that you were watching all summer, and then you've taken your vacation off in the rut. He's not there anymore. Yeah. Um, he's moved to a, a different area that they rut in. I mean, they just do that. So if you're on a pattern on one and, you know, you put the pieces together and it traditionally your camera is really blowing up. Um, when you have, when the season's opening, I mean, man, go in there and try to get them. If you're gathering that much information, you, you could be successful. How many times a week do you think you had pictures of Geronimo? Man, I was getting him and as velvet was really coming on. I mean, you're talking every day. I was patterning him. Gotcha. Um, Every day. There wasn't a day that went by. Obviously, there's something that trips in them. As, you know, you read a lot and we talk a lot, but they say the testosterone goes up and they're, I mean, something definitely happens. A, a switch flips, you know, and it so, starts to get less and less and less and, and they're harder to pattern. They just are. As, as it gets to that time, they're tough. But, man, I was getting them every day. Over uh, the last two will, weeks let's just say from when you killed him to the opening September 15th. So 12 days. How many times did you have him on camera during those 12 days, you think? Once. So in, in the bottom once. In the, I had, there, was, there was two and a half, three weeks where I killed him in the bottom. I had him once. And that's the, there that's were the testament months. there, Seth, is what you kind of bringing what you said earlier back into this conversation of staying on a deer you had a lot of intel from the summer, right, of where he's doing, what he's doing, but you're also using um, the knowledge of the resources available that's dropping at that time, watching other game. It's not just, you know, mature bucks going to this uh, acorn, you know, this draw that's loaded with acorns. There's a bunch of deer so and turkeys, and so you're observing all that, and then you get one picture in 12 days, but you're still on this deer, and I think a lot of people probably would have just given up and said, well, I'm not getting pictures of him. He's not worth hunting. He's not moving during daylight hours. Well, that's not true at all. You know, this, this deer was moving during daylight hours. You just need to be where you needed to be and where he was moving. You can't kill him if you're not where he's at or where he's going to be. Oh, yeah. And I, I think we make that mistake a lot. I mean, you know, and again, it goes back to, obviously, I mean, I'm going to be the first one to tell you that if I haven't had the history with hunting whitetails on the property that I hunt, that outcome may have been different and I may have thought the deer, you know, he's gone. Sure. But I've gathered enough information over the last several years. I kind of know what they do or I kind of know what I think they do. And I know the habitat is, is fabulous. I know the habitat is great. And I know that uh, typically deer that range in that range that I was pegging him with in the summer, they typically don't leave. Uh, and, you know, it takes 
in all honesty, to get a deer in front of your camera without the aid of bait or a scrape um, or something of that nature, you're not going to get pictures every day. And, and no. I quit baiting, feeding. Obviously, in Missouri, we have to quit 10 days. Um, and I did quit feeding. We feed our deer heavy, but I quit feeding. So what do you guys think that does to my pictures? They go down. Oh, yeah. Um, so I quit at the normal time that you're supposed to make sure it's all gone. Um, your pictures go down, um, and, and then you're just relying on, uh, past information and those cameras on trails, scrapes, uh, food plots. Um, a lot of times what would happen when you get them in a food plot, uh, a, a doe will trigger it. And you'll look out there and you'll be like, I'm pretty sure that's him. You can see the frame. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's got to be him. Yeah. Right. So, right. you know, it's what about, it takes a lot to get a, what a deer ab- in front of a camera yes, every it day. It, it does. does. What What about last year's history? Did you have much history with him last year? I do. You know, the deer is going to be four, um, possibly five. Um, we're not sure where, he at, where he's at. Um I don't know about you, but for me, um, there's a lot of deer um, that I'm like, is he four or is he five? Four and five really seems like a hard age. Yeah. Um, and I'm not going to sit here and argue with you. That deer's four, that deer's five. I'm going to sit here and be honest with you. I don't know. Yeah. I've, I've, shot, a, I've shot a handful of deer um, that I don't know. Um, and or why, they four and why does or it matter? they five. Yeah. And why does it even matter? I don't think it does. And and why does it even matter? I mean, but my question know. for you is on the history is last year, did he ever, you know, we had a pretty good white oak acre crop last year, if I remember right. I think you did. Did you ever remember him shifting in, in late September and going down to that bottom field much? No, he had a complete uh, pattern shift. He was actually completely on the south side of the 360. Um, and I actually have, I think I have a, a snippet of it. It took me a minute to figure out who who he was. Um, and he did put on several inches, actually. Um, but I do have a, a just a little bit of, of history with him. And I tell you what happened. Um, I knocked out a big buck. And, and I've, we've talked about this, or, or I have for sure, with, with you guys. I knocked out a big buck we called Dirty Harry on the back of the 360. Um, and it was wild. And this deer, and I think we may, we think we did a podcast on there. Yeah, we, we did. did. Yep. Um, I knocked him out and that, again, that deer was a wild deer. He was just off the charts, um, aggressive. He had a home turf. And when I knocked him out, um, it was wild. This deer here, Geronimo, um, who I believe he was, he moved in and increased his home range on this particular piece of property, him with another deer, automatically when I knocked him out. And I think that that goes for a lot of places um, of better habitat. If you knock out a big mature deer, and there are a lot of big mature deer in the area in good habitat areas, um, I think you're going to have other guys come in and say, hey, this place is awesome. I really like it habitat's great there's plenty of does there's it's it's comfortable um and i believe that's really what happened with him um we knocked dirty harry out it made an opening for him um and dirty harry wasn't in there to to beat his head in the ground 
Um, so I kind of, he started kind of moving in as soon as I knocked him out in late December. Um, he just kind of started just shifting in and, uh, his, his range just kind of just eased right in. And my gosh, he moves almost to the center of the two properties, which is the middle of the highway. Gotcha. Um, and he just kind of made it his home range and, um, him with a handful of other ones. Uh, so there well, wasn't including, uh, What's that? So there wasn't any history. You know, sometimes we kill deer based on past year's history, uh, travel patterns and and things that they've no, done in the was, past. You're basically, yours was very much was fresh. fresh going, okay, he was on the bottom field. And this year, especially because of the fact of. Very. This year, it was so fresh. Again, that's why I was saying it was bittersweet. Um there is nothing more rewarding in the whitetail world than gathering information for years on end and having a good test match with one and killing him a couple of years later or three years later. It makes it so much, so much. I don't know. There, you, you just can't explain it. You know, you worked hard. So much re- more rewarding, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. Yeah. But with Geronimo, it was, and I gathered the intel all through the summer and closed the deal very, very quickly. Um, had snippets of him last year, um, December on through, tried to find a shed or two of him. Um, and then he actually just moved into the home range. So there was only about knowing him about a full year, probably. I had a few pictures of him where he had, he kind of came in onto the 360 a couple of times last year, but. Um, he wasn't a regular you know, he customer. Just, he wasn't a regular customer over there. And there again, I think there was some other deer competition and we just made a spot for him to come in. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. So, Well then too, like but, knowing once, once he, let's say sealed the deal, um, air quoting this became a permanent resident, right? You know, the farm though, oh. from history, scouting um not you know during off season but just knowing where the resources are from good thermal beddings to shaded areas from early season um you know the north slopes and then from there where the food sources that they're going to be and just hunted it wisely um you know it's 12 days how many times do you think you hunted during that 12 day period and it was primarily focused in and around this buck i know a couple other hunts were um, you know, after, after a different one, but really how many days did you hunt to observe deer, what they were doing? And then we're like, Hey, I'm going to go in. I'm feeling good about this. I'm going to kill. Right. Um, seven, there was, there was six to seven days. I was actually thinking about that. I was like, I sat in a tree probably six to seven times this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what it was. And, um, I don't know if you you remember the night we hunted Voodoo, which yep. was a this, must that was, take. Was that two days before? <laughs> the night before, I believe. The night before you killed. Yeah. You don't even waste stands down there. I mean, well, it is. And, and that was a daggum thing. We were in between hunting the, the stand that you killed in the next day and that uh, plot Voodoo and... and we saw plenty of deer. Yeah. It worked right, but not not what we went in there for. Um, but then, yeah, the next night it's like, well, crap, <laughs> you yeah, killed. And, and, 
you don't hunt booted. We went down in there. By the way, he was down there. I mean, I checked the card down there, um, which I didn't have the cutting link stretched that far. Now I do, which, yep. um, not to get off base really quick, um, but the cutting links that I had up on the whole um, north side of the property, they were doing their job up there, and I was actually checking cameras less which let me have quite a few late-night sets in the bottoms and, and do some other things in the whitetail world. It gave me time, if you will, sure. um, to do a few more things that went into harvesting that deer. But there again, you and I were hunting, and, and that's what it was with him. We weren't. A, I wasn't 100% sure um, that he wasn't betting on the north side part of the time and the south side across the road. And you and I went to Voodoo that night, and I'm like, man, he's, he, he could be right in his wheelhouse. And anyways, you just don't go to voodoo. There's nothing ever comes good going down there. Just forget hunting down there. When <laughs> I won't ever do it again with this you. Is, no, it is pointless. I won't let you convince me. The thing about me. it is, <laughs> it's one of those places you'll pull the card. You pull the card or the Cuddy Link sending pictures now, and man the deer are coming through there and you're like, man, I'm going to go down there and hunt. This and time it'll be different. For, you forget it. Um, and we were talking about, you know, interpreting trail cameras and things like that. I have two spots in particular. One of them is kick hollow. We call it kick hollow. Cause a good friend of mine, uh, last name of kick glider, kill a big 10 point down in the hollow. He was going to go on a date with his girlfriend. I said, dude, have, are you crazy? you know what the weather is right now? Anyways, long story short, shot a big, nice deer. And, is he uh, still with that girl, or is it somebody else? What was was it worth it? I would hope it would have been worth it for him. I, I think it was. <laughs> well, it was that girl he was going to go on the date with. Is that the girl that's his wife now? Yeah, he, oh. he did marry her, so. <laughs> she's a keeper. <laughs> yeah. So he got the girl and the buck. Dang. Yeah. I want some of that so luck. There's kick, <laughs> there's kick hollow and there's voodoo, and we're talking about trail cameras here. And you check the trail cameras, or the, again the cut leaks in the pictures, and you're like, I need to be hunting there. Look at all this activity. Did you might as well forget it. There's only one way you're hunting there is if you have a completely sealed by a blind and you have a tunnel dug in <laughs> to it that it, you can it, get in. That is the only way you're hunting. You might as well forget it. The cameras look great, but it's, it's like, a no-go. It's, it's like the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah, it's, it's awful. And, you know, I mean, it's, and there it's, are a lot of spots like that. Many turkeys. Farm, is I've, you know what? I, I, I've never even been to that plot. And I've chased turkeys with you all over that place since probably 2014. Oh, yeah. And I've never been there. <laughs> Don't waste your time, yeah. I can tell you. We chased, we chased you, a bird down you, there this year, and we got down there to the food plot, tried to call you know, one time just relocate. Silence. Crickets. <laughs> it's like voodoo. Let's get out of here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're out of here. Yeah, we're we gone. Around the walk. And, and how many times have we? There's birds, a goblin right oh, there yeah. as we're walking in. Yeah, just walk right past them. And and we're like, uh, yeah, we're walking past. And you're like, why are we walking? I remember back in the early days, you're looking like, why are we walking? Past? I'm like, trust me, we're walking. Past. <laughs> There's no point. <laughs> oh, man, they will win. So, we will lose. Yeah, let's keep they, so let's go to the night win, you killed. So beautiful night. 
Um, conditions awesome. Um, high pressure, um, cool. Um, it was just one of those nights that you just you just felt deer were going to move, and I don't know. I've, I've had those gut feelings, if you will, that this is the night. I don't have an. I don't use an app that tells me when to hunt or anything like that. I always say if I can go hunting, um, I'm going to try to go. Uh, There's apps for that. My motto doesn't work for everybody, <laughs> but it's mine. So. Anyway, so we're going in. Feels like a great night. Um, I had left the sticks in that particular spot, um, and I'd left them there again, just to recap, because of the drainage that was filled with the acorns, and just what I had seen um, there prior. I'm like, this is the drain I need to hunt, um, and the camera, the way the deer were moving. So great night, and the only problem is with it. Um, the traffic all the big deer are are coming down into this plot and the traffic there people wanting to look people wanting to be a nuisance uh and I, dude i'm talking i'm talking driving down a 55 mile an hour highway 10 miles an hour at one point at one point all the deer are out in the field i have a one-ton truck with a 16-foot gooseneck, lock it up. And, I mean, this isn't a place you want to lock stuff up. I'm like, dude, I'm going to film this guy shoot a deer. Oh, wow. And he's, I'm like, what in the world? You know, and these deer are becoming accustomed to it. So uh, these were a couple does. I don't know if he couldn't see or anything, but those deer kind of bound off. And I'm like, man, this is just going to be a train wreck and, and all the people coming by and, um, a handful of them I knew. I'm like, well, that's so-and-so. That's so-and-so. And there are a handful of them that are actually truthfully just looking at deer. Um, and there are a couple of them that may shoot a deer if they do. More than likely, we'll get them on film and hopefully right. make, an, we make an example out of them, which I have done successfully twice. Um, and the game warden... Uh, we got everything confiscated once the deer um gun everything um, oh wow so that's that's kind of deterred um the other one i caught down there he was growing marijuana so cameras are very helpful um not only for the deer um, but they're helpful just to manage your property and i put them big and bold some of them a lot of them i keep hidden but some of them we'll, we'll put big and bold but um, I hand just a couple of them, but anyways, um, I think that's my favorite night. part. I, I guess I should say this is where I should jump in and say, with each podcast, you get an hour or more, give or take, um, of us talking about a certain scenario or practice or hunt or whatever. Um, and so you get a lot of the details, but then on each video, because people consume video content differently than they do podcasts, you get. Uh, everything condensed down. Um, you get a very right. condensed down highlight cliff notes version of, of whatever has occurred. Whatever actually occurred, yeah. And, uh, for example, you know, we did a turkey hunt this spring um, where I just cut out all the stale time, the downtime, and just really highlighted the calling. Uh, so every time I called, turkey gobbled. And then I condensed the hunt down, which was a 30- to 40-minute hunt, down to, I think it was 11 minutes. 
So I ended up cutting out all the stale time and it was just the hunts uh, or just the calling um, and the turkey. And uh, so many comments, this guy calls too much. If this guy hunted with me, I, I'd kick him out. And I'm like, people, I cut out the stale time. You got yeah. the calling because that's the turkey gobbling. You wouldn't have waited around to see the turkey die if I hadn't cut it out. Yeah. And right. so on, on this hunt, your, your successful deer hunt, there's things that didn't make the cut. And uh, one of them being um, a big part of the evening, especially, you know, you hear, I think in one point you hear a car drive by, but you, we cut out so many vehicles and because a lot of time you didn't point the camera at them and, and show him because you were filming deer but there's a constant yeah there's traffic. constant traffic coming down that road and then even in Dude, some I, post-hunt interviews it was, it was a frustrating night yeah uh, and, and I, I, I big deer do stuff they make stupid. people stupid. Just stupid. And it's like if if a big deer, you put big deer on social media, you might as well plan on people cutting you down. If you put big deer uh, on your wall or on your own social media or in the newspaper, you might as well plan on people having negative comments. Um, right. It's just it just goes with the territory so much so it that Matt and I are almost annoyed by big and deer envy, and it's like. Yeah. This should be celebrated. Um, this should be rewarded with with happiness and joy, and not all this negativity. Goodness yeah. gracious! It's just like if yeah. you want to achieve big deer, plan on getting the negative with it. Yeah. And and in this case for you, it was like big deer on the field. Now you have to deal with the people who were stopping and watching. Right. Oh. Yeah. yeah. And and truthfully, typically there we have a a better. Um, food pot screen there, more yeah. dense. Um, but we had a weird summer growing, and we can't. Yeah, we we just the drought kind of it hosed us on that, so it's not near as tall. Um, the Milo, obviously, um, in the Heritage Blend and a few other things that are really drought resistant did make. Um, um, but so many other things got browsed too heavily or, or we just didn't have the rain. So I didn't have that great screen that I typically have just because of the drought. So, yeah. I mean, it's a – I talked to one guy, which is a neighbor, and he's like, well, that's the only place you can drive by and see big deer. And, I mean, he would, he's not going to shoot a deer off the road. There's not. But he likes to go down there and just look at him. And I'm sitting there thinking, dude, when you hit the brakes – I mean, it makes it harder for me to harvest it. It was just a, um, and I'm sure you cut a lot of the video out, but there was a, a lot of the, I mean, I was I was pretty upset part of the night. I mean, because it was like, not only am I looking at the deer, there was some deer behind me um, that were in the, the acorns, but I'm sitting here and I'm filming. I'm looking at deer behind me and I'm looking at vehicles come by me. And at any minute, if they hit their brakes, too hard or the great or the uh rumble strip or whatever i'm like which way are these deer i mean it, it was just a really on pins and needles uh, oh yeah and by the evening. way trying to sell film and oh by the way trying to deliver a shot yeah yeah that's yeah. a lot it, going through you your You could brain. definitely tell you know you saw turkeys um and then you see the deer filtering in and then at the point that this almost bachelor group shows up I love the strategy, and, you know, you've got a big destination food plot, which aren't fun to hunt because a lot of times you'll see a bunch of deer, but it's hard to get them concentrated into bow range. 
but you had selected right. an area where you had a you had a red oak tree um, dropping acorns to where when the deer came in, if at any point they decided to go get acorns, that there was really only one area of the of the field to get it, and that's where you were hunting. Right, and that was the tree. Um, I, I learned that was the tree. I, I've hunted acorns a lot, and a lot of times, and that, that's due to a saddle. I mean, tree saddle, if you don't have a tree saddle, tree saddles are killing machines. You're, you're so mobile. But I've hunted acorns a lot, and a lot of times you'll get into an acorn flat or an acorn drainage or whatever the acorn is tree is and you'll be like why are they always at that stinking tree right there i've hunted this three times and they they walk past all these other trees and they go to that tree why is it i don't know why that is per se but i know that it's a thing yeah um it's like why do they go to that tree i don't know but they're going to that tree so guess where i need to be by that tree and it just so happened that night i could see the sign down in the drainage and the camera was was hot there and the first night that I hunted it, I was hunted at the tree. And I'm like, man, I'm at the tree. Um, Matt and I had even had the conversation. I'm like, dude, it's trashed with red oak acorns in there. Um, they're there. And anyways, all the deer, as soon as I got up the first night, every deer came to that tree. And what you can't see, a lot of it's in the brush. Um, and I didn't even film a lot of the deer that come up the drain because it's too brushy and eat on the other canopy side that's in the the cover of the uh, the brush. Yeah. So it was the tree. They they wanted to come to that tree. They wanted to come out in the food plot there if they came down the drainage. And a lot of times, like you just mentioned, they would break and either come to it. And he broke and come right to it. Hmm. So, so he came was, and was came right to it. And one of the things that I'll note that's interesting about self-filming, I hate self-filming, but you got to a lot of times do it. And in this, yeah. in this case... The deer is perfectly broadside, and you can hear you draw back, and then you can kind of see the camera. Like I can, you can just envision. You've had GoPro troubles, so there's no GoPro, but you can kind of envision what happened. You draw, you go to check the screen, and then you come back to settle the pin, and the deer moves at that time, has moved and now slightly quartering two when you shoot, and it's just like, oh, I know exactly. I've spent enough time. Filming to know that what happened right there was you drew back, you checked the monitor, the deer moved, and you were so focused on settling the pin you didn't notice that the deer took that step. So you shoot him and what appears to be one lung liver. Um, and then, of course, uh, you know you, you hit him and then you have to deal with all the other traffic that's coming down the road. Um, so that's another thing that didn't make the cut. And then, of course, uh, and the other thing is, you'll notice a very short recovery on the um, on the video, and just because of the story that happens to a lot of us that we don't like to talk about, and so we just uh, elected to cut it out of the video. But um, you were fortunate enough to harvest the deer, um, and we condensed down what happened, um, so you guys can just see a successful hunt and not have to deal with with the 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 air of uh, of a quarter and two shot and a mechan uh, not a mechanical a broadhead problem but anyway another fun right. thing that didn't make the cut <laughs> yeah that that that's what we were that was just too close to voodoo that's right that's right <laughs> too I'm sure, close I'm sure he yeah. ran up towards voodoo and 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 then 
the rest is history, right? Yeah. Oh man, right. I I think uh, whew, it's 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 another awesome hunt. You know, what the deer end up scoring? Man, I didn't get a take on him. He's going to be right around the. He's going to be a buck. He may surprise me. I know he's going to hit one. My guess is one forty-two, and he may be an inch bigger. He may be an inch smaller. He gotcha. may be one forty-five. I put him in the freezer. His hide went up around the basis when I stuck him down in. Yep. And I pulled him back out. To, I was going to measure him, and uh, long story short, that hide had went up around the. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you'd have to it thaw it out to just get to it. I couldn't get a tape even around the circumference, and I couldn't even really get a tape down and up around to come around the main beam. I was like, well, I'll just I'll just wait on him. But that's where he's going to be, um, which is a great southern Missouri whitetail in our neck of the woods. Anytime you get one bumping 140s, uh, a and, 150, a, I mean, that's... A, a Pope and Young mature buck in the Ozarks is something special. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I—I'll be honest with you. I was probably more tickled with um, Trace's. No, I mean, I was happy, but uh, there was with mine. But there was just something about—I don't know. You've reached that point where it's more fun to see Trace's success than your own. Yeah, and especially for a deer that we had chased Mm -hmm. for so long with him and. And that one that he had he he had hit prior, and it was like shooting him with a toothpick. <laughs> uh, when he's pulling one hundred or one forty-two or a forty-two, sorry, 42 pounds. pounds. <laughs> I'm about to say that <laughs> he's that. a stout little he's man. One hundred and forty-two inches, boys. <laughs> he's yeah. got a full ride to any college <laughs> football player. We got him on a draw lock and a winch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Making that come along into yeah. the blind with you. Yeah. <laughs> you better make a good shot once, son, because we're yeah. cocking her back at the house and going in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, anyways, that, it was just really special. That was a really special hunt. Uh, and just kind of getting to, well, to be with him. And, and don't get me wrong, Geronimo's special, too, just because of all the habitat and, and, and hard work we've done through the summer and just putting the pieces together. I mean, killing one with a bow is like setting a foot trap uh, for a raccoon. I mean, you've got to have him right there in your wheelhouse. It's not like shooting one with a rifle in a big open field that's chasing a doe. When you're killing one with a bow, you're you're wanting him in your I mean, preferably your 30-yard circle. I've taken longer shots, but I want him in that 30-yard circle like a foot trap. That's oh. where I want him, and it takes strategy to get him there. Yeah, without a doubt. Oh, What's a, it's a cool hunt, man, and the way it all comes together, the way you chased acorns, found the resource, got on the deer, made it happen, self-film bow hunt, and, uh, man, we're, we're tickled that you were able to get it on film and allow us to share the story and then you come on the podcast and kind of relive it all too for everyone to listen and follow along and then go check it out on YouTube. Go check it out. Yeah. Yep. Seth, thanks for coming on, buddy. Yes, sir. Thank you.